This morning we're going to begin a new sermon series through the book of Jonah. For the next few months we'll be in this book, and I believe that the book of Jonah is two things at the same time. On the one hand, the book of Jonah is one of the most well-known books in the Bible. And at the same time, the book of Jonah is maybe one of the most neglected books in the Bible. Let me explain what I mean by that. The book of Jonah is well known because if any of you have grown up in church, you know that Jonah was one of the first stories that you ever heard. Is that, is that right? You guys remember Jonah growing up in Sunday school. It's great Sunday school material. Like here's, here's what I heard when I was a kid from Jonah. Jonah disobeyed God and got swallowed by a whale. So make sure you obey God, right? Like that, That's what I heard when I was a kid. It's great Sunday school material. There's, there's songs for Jonah. There's children's books for Jonah. There's even a movie for Jonah. It's a great story. It's an exciting story. You've got storms and whales and plants and cows and, and everything in Jonah, right? Jonah's a great story. Kids love it. We teach it in Sunday school. It's very well known. It's, it's, it's a beloved story from Christians in, in the church, and we, and we grew up knowing it. At the same time, it's well known for a different reason. Because though though inside the church it's a cherished story, outside the church, Jonah is bulletin board material against the church. Skeptics use Jonah and they say, how can you Christians believe the Bible? You believe that this guy got swallowed by a whale, stayed there for three days, and got spit back out on the other side? How, How can you believe that? Jonah is well known because it is the classic place to go if you're an unbeliever that wants to say anyone who believes the Bible is off their rocker. So, so people know Jonah. Know it because we grew up with it. We love the story. We know it because it presents difficulties to us and, and we have to defend it. And at the same time, I think Jonah is very neglected because while we might know the story of Jonah really well, how many of us really know the message of Jonah? We know the story, but do we know the message? Tim Keller is one of the authors I'm reading as I study this book, and he shares in his book that he has preached through Jonah three times in his ministry, and every time the Lord shows him more and more. It it is a rich book. I last spent time in this book ten years ago in my undergrad, and opening it back up this past month, I've been struck by how much I need to hear the message of this book again. In fact, I'm, I'm extremely nervous this morning in, in opening up Jonah because as, as I've looked at these four chapters, this simple story, God has confronted me with the reality that we need this so much. There's so much here. This book is so rich. It's a simple story, but it is a penetrating story. And I'm nervous because I, I just want to do the best I can to help us draw out as much as we can from this book because it is rich. And it is needed. And so I'm praying for the Lord to give us abundant, transforming grace over the next few months. And I'm praying that we won't just know the story better, but we will know the message and be changed by it. And so if you haven't already, you can open your Bible to Jonah. The title of this series is Runaway Prophet, Rescuing God. Runaway Prophet, Rescuing God. And this morning we're going to look at these two main characters in the story of Jonah We're just going to begin today by looking at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and see this runaway prophet and this rescuing God. So Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. 
and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. These opening verses introduce us to the two characters of the book of Jonah. In the first character we see, the main character of the book of Jonah, is not Jonah, but it is a rescuing God. The main character of the book of Jonah is a rescuing God. And in verses 1 and 2, we get a wonderful picture of this God who rescues. I want us to notice a few things about the Lord in these verses. First, the Lord is a God who sees. He is a God who sees. The name, the Lord, Yahweh, it is the name that God revealed to Israel when he entered into covenant relationship with them. And, and in that sense, when we talk about the Lord, we're talking about the God of Israel. We're talking about the, the God of the Israelites, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That They are his people. He is their God. That's who the Lord is. That's who Yahweh is. But the Bible tells us that the Lord is not only the God of Israel. He's not just a local deity. He is in covenant, the God of Israel, Yahweh, but the Lord is the God of all the earth. He is the God of all the nations, of all the peoples, and He sees what is happening in all the earth. And in the book of Jonah, who does the Lord see? He sees the people of Nineveh. He sees the people of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was one of the great cities of the Assyrian Empire. This is around the 8th century B.C., and the Assyrians were a truly terrifying empire to the world around them. I'm not going to go into details this morning of the things that the Assyrians would do to the people they conquered. But I will quote one historian who says, Assyrian history is as gory and blood-curdling of a history as we know. The Assyrians were a terrorist state, and they expanded their borders in the cruelest ways, intentionally provoking fear in all the people they conquered. And the Lord, the God of Israel, sees them. He tells Jonah, their evil has come up before me. Their evil has come up before me. So the Lord looks at all the earth and he sees Nineveh. He sees this evil people. He sees the things they do. He sees the terror they spread. He sees the violence they commit. He sees every evil act. It is before him. He sees it all. The Lord is God who sees. So what does he do with what he sees? What does the Lord do? And the second thing we need to notice is, is that he sends. The Lord sees and he sends. God is not only a God who, who sees from a distance, but he's a God who enters into history and acts. And he acts by sending his people. So he tells Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. Arise and go to Nineveh that great city. So God doesn't just sit in heaven and observe evil indefinitely. There's always a point where God enters into history and intervenes. And that's what he's doing in this moment in Nineveh's history. He has seen their evil, and now he's responding by sending his prophet Jonah. Now what is he sending him to do? This is the third thing we need to notice about the Lord, is that God speaks. God speaks. Let's not take that for granted that we worship a God who makes himself known, who makes his will known, who communicates with us because he is relational with us. And he speaks through Jonah to Nineveh. And the message he gives Jonah is simple, but it's not easy. 
What, what, what's the message? Preach against Nineveh. Call out against Nineveh. Think about this. Jonah is to go into the heart of the Assyrian Empire, the enemy of Israel, the terrorist state, and he's to announce to them that the Lord God of Israel has seen their evil and will judge them for their evil. That's, that's Jonah's job. Tim Keller says this is like a Jewish rabbi going into the streets of Berlin in 1941 and preaching against Nazi Germany. It's, it's a suicide mission for all intensive purposes. And this is what Jonah is sending, this is what God is sending Jonah to do, to go into the heart of Assyria and preach against them that God has seen their evil. Why would God ask Jonah to do this? Why does God send Jonah with this message? The Lord sees, and he sends, and he speaks. Why? Because the Lord is a God who saves. Because he's a God who saves. He is a rescuing God. Now, at first glance, preach against it doesn't sound like salvation, right? Preach against it sounds like judgment. But we need to realize that God could have simply seen Nineveh's evil and judged Nineveh's evil, right? He could have seen it, judged it, end of story. But that's not what he does. The reason God sends Jonah to preach against Nineveh is to give them the opportunity to turn away from their evil and be saved from that judgment. This is who the Lord is. He is a God who sees evil and responds with grace. He's a God who brings salvation to those who deserve judgment. He is a rescuing God. This is who He is. And this opening picture, church, gives us a much-needed perspective for how we think about our world today. We are confronted every day with the reality of evil in our world. Just read the news. Just, just look at social media. Abortions, mass shootings, assault, abuse, terrorism, euthanasia, you, you name it. Our world is desperately evil, and it is more in front of us than it's ever been. We are more aware in our day of the evil in all the world than anyone in history has ever been. We see it. And we wonder, does God see it? We wonder, does God see the evil? And if he sees it, why doesn't he do anything about it? You ever feel that way? Why doesn't God end abortion? Why doesn't God bring the right people to end these injustices? Now, Jonah's mission was unique in the Old Testament. God did not normally call Israelite prophets to go into other nations and preach against it, but his, his mission foreshadowed the mission that the church has received, that Jesus gave his disciples, which is to go to all the nations. Here's the thing. God sees more than we see. We see a lot, but God sees it all. Every evil act comes up before him. He's the Lord of all the earth. And he doesn't just sit, sit by and watch it happen. No, God's response today is the same as his response was in the book of Jonah. God's response today is to respond with grace. Here's, here's what God is doing with the evil that he sees. He is sending us to speak a message so that he might save those who deserve judgment. That's what God is doing today with the evil in the world. He's extending grace 
Now, yes, God sometimes intervenes into history and he judges individuals or he might even judge a system at different times. In his, in his common grace, he does that. But God's response by and large to the evil in the world today is not to judge it, but to send us into that world, to send us to those who, those who commit that evil and to preach that God has seen it and that they need to turn and be saved. God's response to the evil that we see is to come to you and me and say, Arise, go to them, speak my word to them, for their evil has come up before me. He's a rescuing God in a world of evil. He's given us the same mission he gave to Jonah. So God is a rescuing God. This brings us then to the second character of the book, a runaway prophet. Jonah, a runaway prophet. Now, as you've already seen, The name of this prophet is Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, we don't know much about Jonah outside of the book of Jonah, but he is mentioned one time in 2 Kings 14.25. And that just helps us to situate Jonah. When did Jonah live? What was the context he lived in? In 2 Kings 14.25, we realize that Jonah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of a wicked king named Jeroboam II. He lived about 50 years before God would send Assyria, these Assyrians, these Ninevites, when he would send them to conquer Israel as a discipline, as a punishment for their idolatry. So Jonah's about 50 years before that happened. And this situates Jonah for us. Assyria is on the rise, and Israel has gone headlong into idolatry. Their enemy is growing in power, and his nation is running away from God into sin. And what does God call Jonah to do in that context? He calls him to preach, but not to Israel. He calls him to preach to Israel's enemy. He calls him to preach to Assyria. What does Jonah do? We know the story. What does Jonah do? How does Jonah respond to God's instructions to go to Nineveh and preach against it? Look at verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God had said, arise, go to Nineveh. And Jonah rises and goes to Tarshish. Now, if you're, if you're wondering why Tarshish, uh, why, why not somewhere else, let's just say that Candace and I wanted to go on a vacation. We said, we just want to get as far away as we possibly can from here. You know where we would end up? We would end up in Perth, Australia. Looked it up. (laughs) 11,123 miles from here. We couldn't get any further away from here than Perth. And if we started going further than that, we'd be coming back to Alabama. That's basically what Jonah's doing here. He's going as far away as he knows. He's going as far away as he can, and that means he's going to Tarshish. He's going to Perth. So... Of course, Jonah's not going on a summer vacation, right? Jonah's not just trying to take a, take a nice vacation. Two times we see what's really going on. He's fleeing to Tarshish because he's fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. Away from the presence of the Lord. The prophet Jonah, God's servant, is running away from God. We might ask, did Jonah actually think that he could escape the presence of God. I mean, Jonah, come on, don't you know Psalm 139? You can't escape the presence of God. He's omnipresent. Doesn't Jonah know that? And I think Jonah does know that. 
I don't think Jonah actually thought he could get away from the presence of God in the sense that God is omnipresent. I think what Jonah's doing is what every sinner does when they sin against God. We all do this, don't we? Adam and Eve did this in the garden. They sinned against God, and what did they do? They hid. They tried to get away. I don't think Adam and Eve thought they could actually escape the presence of God, but, but, but they wanted to do everything they could to not face this God. And so, and so they ran away. So, so Jonah, though he knows he's not going to escape the, the actual presence of God, he wants to get away from his relationship with God. And so that means leaving Israel. That means leaving where he's a prophet. That means leaving where, he, where his ministry is. That means leaving the people of God. It means getting as far away from that life as possible. You know, we do this, don't we? When we sin, we, we feel the guilt, and we know that we, we don't want to face God. And so what do we do? We stop going to church. We stop reading our Bible. We stop praying. We stop fellowshipping with other believers. Why? Because to do those things brings us into his presence, doesn't it? When you're in sin, how can you open your, the Bible and, and be before God in that sense? You don't do it. How, how do you fellowship with other believers when you know that there's guilt that you've not dealt with? So what do we do? We run away. We know that God's still with us, but, but we run away from his presence. And that's what Jonah's doing here. He's running away from his relationship with God. And of course, we can't help but ask the question, why? Why is Jonah running? Why does he respond this way? Doesn't he know the Lord? Isn't he a prophet? Now, if we were to keep reading through the rest of the book, we would, we would find out why in chapter 4. And I wrestled this week, should we go to chapter 4 and look at why? And you can, you can go there and see, not a big deal. But, but here's the thing, God didn't tell us why in chapter 1. He tells us why in chapter 4. And we need to realize that's, that, that as, as God has authored this book, there's a reason why he waits. And so we want to know why, but here's the thing, God is telling us we don't need to know why. That's not what he wants us to learn this morning. He wants us not to see why Jonah ran, but he wants us to see that Jonah ran. But put it another way, we don't need to know the reason Jonah ran away. We need to see the reality that Jonah ran away. We need to see that this happens. A prophet of the Lord, a servant of God, someone who knows God, someone who speaks with God, someone who worships God, runs away from God in headlong disobedience. This happened, and this happens. Let me ask one more question. Did Jonah's response surprise the Lord? You know, was God in heaven, looks down on the earth, like, okay, there's Nineveh, their evil has come up before me, I'm going to send some of them, who should I send? Okay, look at my prophets. Oh, Jonah would be Perfect. Jonah's a great prophet. He would do a great job. I'm going to come to Jonah and say, Jonah, you go. You'll do a great job at this. And then he goes. He says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah runs the other way. And God, does he say, whoa, I did not see that coming. Man, okay, what's plan B? Of course not, right? God knew exactly how Jonah would respond. And that's exactly why God chose Jonah. This is really important to understand, church, to get into this book. God knew exactly how Jonah would respond, and that's why he chose Jonah. This this reality sets this whole book up for us. What is the book of Jonah really about? It's not primarily about God's rescue mission to Nineveh. It's not what Jonah's about. That happens in this book, 
But the book of Jonah is primarily about God's rescue mission to Jonah. That's what this book's about, is God doing a work in Jonah's life. God knew that his prophet Jonah had hidden idols in his heart and hidden sins in his life and that he needed to be rescued. And so in this book, God initiates a rescue mission to Jonah. God intentionally calls Jonah to do something that he knew Jonah would not do in order to graciously expose Jonah's heart and change it to be more like his own heart. So so Jonah was a runaway prophet, but God is a rescuing God. And churches, we're reading the book of Jonah, we're asking, how does this apply to us? If this book is primarily about God's rescue mission to Jonah, then it also means it's primarily about God's rescue mission to you and me. What these opening verses teach us is this. We are all runaways who need rescue. We are all like Jonah. Now, like, like the people of Nineveh, we need initial rescuing from the judgment we face for our sins. But, but that's not all we need. We don't just need initial rescue. We need continual rescuing from the warring influence of sin in our hearts. We still battle with it. It still has influence in our lives. It still robs us of the joy of our salvation. We may know God. We may speak with God. We may serve God. But we are just as capable of running away from God as Jonah was. Just like we say this morning, we are all prone to wander. And God sees this about us. He sees. He sees our hearts. And what does he do? In his grace, he actively pursues our rescue. You know, Jonah could have just stayed in Israel, right? Like, as far as we know, he had a nice ministry in Israel. He was a prophet, he spoke God's word. People probably respected him, and, and, and that, you know, that was fine. But God saw that there were dormant idols in his heart. That there, there were things in his heart that Jonah didn't even see that weren't being exposed, but God brings him into a situation where those idols are going to surface. Because God knows that he needs rescuing from those idols, that as long as they lie dormant, that he's not going to know the joy of the Lord like he ought. And so God actively pursues Jonah, in his grace, he actively works to expose the idols in his heart, and he does that in our hearts. Listen, maybe it's through calling you to do something you don't want to do, just like Jonah. Maybe God is calling you to do something you don't want to do, and you you push up against it. What's, What's happening there? God is exposing you, isn't he? God is showing you that your heart's not fully his, that, that there's, there's things you're worshiping outside of him. God is, God is showing you your heart so that you can grow and be changed and be rescued. Maybe God is bringing suffering into your life, a form of suffering that you don't want to experience. And you're struggling. What is God doing? God's exposing your heart to you. He's letting the sufferings of this life squeeze your heart so that what comes out shows you what's really there. Whatever form it may take, understand that God is doing a work of grace in your life. The book of Jonah is a work of grace in Jonah's life. Jonah would look back on this and he would say, thank you God for calling me to go to Nineveh because that showed me so much of my heart that I hadn't seen. We have runaway hearts, but the Lord is a God who doesn't just let us run. He relentlessly pursues us 
by his grace, he relentlessly pursues our rescue. And and the wonderful news this morning, church, is that God has sent a better Jonah to us. God has sent a better Jonah to be our rescuer. You, You see, God called Jonah to go to his enemy and to preach God's judgment against them so that they might turn and be saved. And Jonah refused to go. But God has sent a better Jonah. In eternity past, God asked his son, go to the enemy. Go to those who have rebelled against me. Go to those who have rejected me. Go to them and preach judgment. But don't just preach judgment, bear judgment. Jesus didn't just come to preach the message of judgment. Jesus came and he bore the judgment we deserve in our place. He came to us while we were enemies. He bore the judgment we deserve and he calls us to repent and be saved on the basis of his death and resurrection. Jesus is the better Jonah. He's the one who obeyed the Father's call so that we could be saved. He rescues us from the penalty of sin by dying in our place, the power of sin by dwelling in our hearts, ultimately the very presence of sin by coming again. We are runaways, but his son is the perfect rescuer. Jesus is the better Jonah. So I want to call you this morning to bring your heart before this rescuing God. As as we open up this book, I've just been asking, Lord, what, what do you want us to do with these first few verses? How should we respond? Because it'd be easy to say, church, don't be like Jonah. When God calls you to do something, you do it. That's not what God's showing us in these verses. Because the reality is we are like Jonah. He's not saying don't be like Jonah. He's saying you are Jonah. This is going to happen to you. So what should our heart posture be when we come to this book? I want to call you this morning to make these prayers your own before the Lord. Three prayers to make your own before God as we open up this book. And And I pray that we will own these prayers throughout the next few months and that God may be gracious to respond. First, confess to God, I have a heart like Jonah's. Confess to God, I have a heart like Jonah's. Now maybe this morning you are here and you need to confess this to God for the first time. God sees your life. God sees your sin. It's before him. He has said that judgment is coming, but today God is offering you rescue if you just admit your need of it. And so confess, I have have a heart that runs away from you, God. But for those of you who have already received his initial work of rescue, church, confess to God again, God, I, I need rescue I still need you to rescue me. I still need you to save me from my sin. Not in the sense that he's not paid the penalty, but in the sense that that it still wars in our hearts and it still controls our lives. We need God to rescue us, church. You come to him desperate, desperate for him to do something. Come and confess, I have a heart like Jonah's. Agree with what he says here. Agree with what we were saying earlier, that we are prone to wander. And cry out, I need you to rescue me, Lord. Second, ask God, do something in my life like you did in Jonah's life. It's a radical prayer, if you think about it. 
Do something in my life like you did in Jonah's life. Do whatever it takes to bring the idols of my heart to the surface so that I can see them for what they are and I can confess them and turn from them and turn to you. Don't let them stay dormant. Don't let them stay hidden. Lord, do whatever it takes. Like the psalmist in Psalm 139, invite him. Lord, search me, know me, try me. What does it mean to say try me? It means test me. Bring my life under testing. Bring my life under your scrutiny and let me see what's really there. We're not going to pray that prayer if we cherish our sin, if we don't desire God. But if you know that God is glorious, if you know that God is satisfying, if you know that with God there is joy, then you will pray, Lord, do whatever it takes in my life. Do in my life what you did in Jonah's life. Come do heart surgery on me. But finally, church, tell God thank you. Tell him thank you for sending a better Jonah to be our rescuer. We live our lives under the umbrella of God's grace. Do you realize that God in his grace is always actively pursuing you? in every single thing that is happening in your life, every circumstance, every struggle, every sadness, God is actively pursuing you in His grace, and that grace came to you because He sent Jesus to purchase that grace for you. Jesus submitted to the Father's will. Jesus came to us when we were His enemy. Jesus died taking the judgment in our place. He rose again. He fills us with His Spirit. He's coming again. He's interceding for us now. And as we look to Jesus, we can give thanks to God for being a gracious, rescuing God. What what, what this book and what these verses do for me, what God has done in me, is, is not to show me all the ways that I need to be different, but just to show me you have a gracious God. You're a runaway, but you have a rescuing God. You're, you're going to wander, but God's going to pursue you. He's going to come after you. God is actively pursuing you. And so rest in that grace. Rejoice in that grace. Trust that grace. Submit to that grace. Follow that grace, church. We're Jonah, but God is a rescuing God. We're runaways, but he is gracious. As the music team comes up, just take a moment to pray those prayers in your heart. I have a heart like Jonah's. Do something in my life like you did in Jonah's life. And thank you for sending a better Jonah to be my rescuer.